Welcome to the Fairly Fluent Podcast, the podcast for anyone moving to or living in France, where we talk about all things good, bad, et c'est pas possible when moving to this beautiful and sometimes complicated country. Coucou, welcome back to Fairly Fluent. I am your host, Sarah Dancy. This episode is going to be all about my personal experiences in France over the last 10 years. It's important that I start with when I was in high school, I was fortunate enough to go to a boarding school in the North Georgia mountains. And at this school, there were a ton of international students. My first roommate in my freshman year of high school was from Serbia. And I remember that she didn't speak English very well when she first arrived. And we would play charades. We would try to figure out what she was saying. She would try to figure out what I was saying. And it was such a fun and unique experience. My sophomore year, my roommate was from Germany. And on top of just my experience with my wonderful roommates, I also met so many great people at this school. I really loved seeing how you would go through so many emotional roller coasters, but that you would also travel so much and learn so much while you were living abroad. And I really wanted to have this similar experience. With my wonderful mother, who also was very passionate about me having these similar experiences, we ended up learning a lot about the Rotary International Youth Exchange Program. It was a little complicated at first, but we were able to secure me the opportunity to apply to this program. When you go through the application process, you have to sit in front of a room and they test you to see if you really have what it would take to live in a community that's going to challenge you on a daily basis, especially when you don't know the language. Once you're accepted, what's really unique about Rotary as well is you don't get to choose exactly where you will study abroad. I think it's different for everybody and sometimes different in different countries, but for me, I had to make a list of 10 countries in the world that I would be interested in living in for a year. Luckily, I had already been taking about two years of French at the time, and so I was selected to move to France. They assigned me to a small town called Nakum, which is in the south of the Burgundy region. At the time, I spoke zero French. I mean, I had been in two years of French, and I probably knew a lot of kitchen vocabulary and how to order at a restaurant. And I remember when my host mom picked me up at the airport as we were putting our suitcases into her car, I said, je suis contente d'être en France. My accent was so bad. I had no idea what I was saying. And we could barely speak to each other for the first couple of months. This was in 2014. Google Translate was not very good back then. We would sit on her couch and pass back and forth her Dell computer and the Google Translate was just not doing it justice. So just like I did with my Serbian roommate from freshman year, we ended up playing a lot of charades and a lot of just trying to figure out what the other person was saying. I'm sure a lot of people who have lived abroad can relate to the experience when you just kind of smile and nod your head and act like you're laughing and act like you understand. Really, the first four months of being in France in 2014, that was my experience. Another part of that experience is it is also very emotionally draining to be living in another country where you don't know the language. You go from this experience of 
For me, I was supposed to be a junior in high school. I played sports. I had so many friends. And then I was in an environment where I was put into a class with people younger than me because I didn't speak the language. And I really was very humbled very quickly. I had to get comfortable with this experience of kind of following the other girls around, feeling a little like a lost puppy because I was just looking anywhere and everywhere for someone to help me. This morning, I was reading the journal that I kept when I first moved to France, and I was writing in it every single day. And there are all of these pages where I write like, oh, I'm not sure I can stay here the whole time. If I still feel this way in a couple of weeks, maybe I'll say something. There's no way I could ever learn French. And then there are some pages where I write, oh, I met this person today and that person today. And today I felt more confident to speak French, even though people corrected me. And I translated my homework today. And I think that it is just such a testament to the fact that like, even those simple sayings that people say about how you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone in order to learn, it's just so true. And if I hadn't gone through those experiences, then it wouldn't have pushed me to do a lot of the things that I do today, including this podcast. And it also just makes me so proud of anybody that's ever been through those experiences because it's hard. And like living in France and living in Paris, it is super fun and it's gorgeous and you adore the architecture and the people and the life, but like there are things that are really hard and I think that we forget sometimes that people don't see that on social media and I just wanted to say that I'm really proud of myself for going through that and I'm really proud of anybody else that goes through that as well because it always ends up so great on the other side. Along the way, though, I made three of my very best friends who hopefully I will have on this podcast one day, and they just helped me learn French. I taught them a little bit of English. They became my very best friends, and they are the reason that I ended up learning French and experiencing so much of this beautiful country. When I completed my Rotary experience in the summer of 2015, I went back to complete my senior year of high school and then ended up at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. At Wake Forest, I studied abroad in a town called Dijon, which is also in Burgundy, for my junior year of college. I also traveled a lot and I loved my experiences in Dijon and with the other students and the teachers that were with us, and it ended up being such a fun experience to look back on. After my junior year, I went back to Wake Forest, and I was so excited, like, how could I get back to France? And I applied for a scholarship on a research project that I was very passionate about, which is on wine. Because who does not love French wine? I created this research project on the impact of climate change on wine production in Burgundy, France, and was awarded the opportunity to spend the summer fully funded living in Burgundy, France, and interviewing winemakers from all over the region. It was an amazing experience. It was the first time that I really felt like, you know what, I could do this. I could live in France. I could speak French on a daily basis, and I could build a life and a career here. 
So when I went back to Wake Forest at the end of 2019, this was flowing into my senior year of college, and I applied to a program known as TAPIF, or the Teaching Assistant Program in France. This is a program that allows Americans to come to France and teach English to French students. It's also a way that a lot of Americans get a visa to move to France and then hopefully find other jobs and other visas along the way so that they can settle here for a longer period of time. Well, little did we know at the time that COVID was going to happen in 2019 and 2020, and it totally ruined my dreams of participating in the TAPIF program. I knew that law school was also a potential option for me, but in the time that COVID gave us to really reflect, I just knew that no matter what I did, I wanted to live in France at some point in my career and possibly forever. I was learning at the same time about the opportunity to complete a master's program at Wake Forest, and because I really didn't know how long COVID was going to last or what it was going to turn into, I decided to take advantage of that opportunity. I'm so glad that I took advantage of that opportunity because I ended up spending so much time in Winston-Salem with so many fun friends, and we learned so much in the span of 10 months. I was also very lucky to be introduced at the time to someone who worked for my company that I am now based in in Paris. I was hired and they said that I would have the opportunity to move to France and I was thrilled. I still remember the day that my boss called me to offer me the job. When you are moving to France for an American company that has an office in Paris, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it. I have the type of visa that's called a talent passport and it's called salarié en mission or like employee on a mission, which essentially is saying that I'm working for an American company that's based me in Paris for a mission of four years. This was the easiest and most efficient way to get a visa at the time, but I really do plan on continuing to build my life here after four years. So when you apply for this type of talent passport, you also have to show that you've already had seniority or that you've already worked at the company for at least three to four months. So at the time, my company said, come up to Philadelphia, we'll apply for your visa, and after a couple of months, you can move to Paris. So that's exactly what I did. At the time, I also basically was helping myself go through the entire process. I did the research on the type of documents that I was supposed to have. I was ordering documents to be translated. I was traveling to D.C. to apply for the visa. And then I was nervously awaiting at home for my passport to show up with my visa in it or not. Luckily, it did show up with it. And on January 14th, 2022, I moved to Paris. It's very exciting to get your visa and to actually get on that plane to make the move. But you do not expect all of the different roller coasters that you were going to experience in your first six months in France. When I first got to France, the easiest way for me to get settled was my mom had this lovely friend and she offered for me to stay with her and her son as I got settled. So I'm staying with this friend and I am starting to get settled and also working at the same time. 
There are moments in applying for your visa and also once you get here and you're trying to figure out the rest of the things that you need to complete where you really ask yourself like, can I do this? Would it be easier for me to just go home? How is this all going to work out? And that is something that I've experienced myself and that almost everybody that I've met here has also experienced. And so I'm really glad that we are going to have this platform to be able to share all of those so that anyone who's currently feeling that way or that feels that way in the future can see all the different ways that we've learned to make it work. When you first get to France, there are a couple of really important things that you need to do. One is to get a phone number, and two is to make sure that you have an address. If you're living with somebody else, you need to have an official letter, which they call une lettre d'hébergement, which says that the person is officially declaring to the government that you are living at their address. So I had to use this document in order to get my phone number. Once you have this document and your phone number, you can also start trying to figure out how to get a bank account. You would think that someone working for an American company with a French subsidiary with all the right paperwork, it would be very easy to get a bank account. Well, that was not the case. It took me about three months and a hundred different visits to the bank, multiple hours in a meeting room with a banker to finally just have to switch banks and use the same bank that my company uses so that we could get somebody to finally help me. Everyone that I've ever met in Paris has had such difficulty getting a bank account, so I'm really excited to eventually invite more people to be on the podcast so that we can talk about different ways that you can go about this when you're settling in Paris or in France. The next thing that's super complicated, or that it was at least complicated for me, is when you are looking for an apartment. So when you're looking for an apartment, you have to create a dossier that, or like a big file that shows all of your payslips, your current address, your documents that prove that you are officially staying in the country, and a bunch of other things like bank statements. And also, in a lot of cases, you'll have to show that you have a guarantor. And some will say that your guarantor can be yourself because of how much you're paid. It can also be your parents in some cases internationally. But it has been something that posed a bit of a problem for me at the time. When you are creating this dossier, you probably also want to have what's called your carte de séjour or your residency card. So once you have your visa, it actually, in a lot of cases, is only valid for about three months. And within three months, you have to get all your paperwork together and officially apply for your residency card proving that you will be able to stay in the country. This is also a complicated and long process, but typically in my experience, once everybody has gotten the correct paperwork, it really has followed the same timeline that it is supposed to. But while you're waiting for this card, while you're waiting sometimes even for your social security number and your health insurance, you are a little bit in limbo. So I ended up subletting an apartment from 
a friend of a colleague of mine. Remember when I said people that I just met were helping me so much and I wanted to pay it forward? Well, this was one of those cases. But once you have all the paperwork together, you can start applying for an apartment. So once you have your account de séjour, once you have your pay slips and your bank account and all of the documents that they typically ask for that we will talk about in details on another episode, you can start looking for an apartment. I gave myself about a three-week span to look at apartments and to move out of the apartment that I was subletting at the time, and I ended up finding a lovely one-bedroom apartment that I totally love, and that was in my budget at the time, and that I will continue to stay in until I either move in with someone or make a big change. But something about finding apartments too is, especially if you're American, you have to know what you're walking into or else you're going to be in total shock. A lot of the studios that I saw had no appliances in them or anything. So once I finally saw this apartment, I was like, oh my gosh, running water. Oh my gosh, tiny bedroom. I will take it. Something that I will finish off this episode with is just that you get used to different things and you learn different things and you get excited about different things when you live abroad. And I am just so excited to continue to meet people and interview people and share everything and anything about what it's like to live in France. So please come back for the next episode. I can't wait for this next interview to share with all of you. And I will speak to you soon. A bientôt.